0: Hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to help you think, learn and grow and hopefully smile and laugh on the way too. My aim here is to break down your barriers to taking action and provide you with evidence-based diet and exercise information in a fun and interesting way. I hope I nail that and I hope you enjoy. If at any point you are enjoying this and you think, great to work with Emma you can head to esgfitness.co.uk to find out more information without further ado because I hate long introductions here is this episode good we're good to go
1: nice well done thanks how are you I am great I've got three things to tell you oh okay right go (laughs) I feel like um, I'm writing in my news jotter. Did you write in your news jotter in primary school? Like you'd have news to write in every day. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's here's my news. So I mentioned in the Welcome Live that I've recently started cycling to work instead of driving. I'm just reporting back that that has improved my happiness levels like 10 times. Just like being outside instead of sitting inside a car, not feeling resentful about having to spend double the amount on petrol that i was before and just it just gives you like a warm smug glow being a thing
0: warm and mug glow. Yeah.
1: do you mean smug i said smug you yeah. oh, all right okay.
0: <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> my hearing of oh, not
0: great plate. um yeah. the other thing i have to say about that i'd shared this meme thing which is totally I don't know it's quite simplistic but it has like a bike and then it has a car and it's like one of these costs you money and oh what was it um and ruins your i don't know it was quite extreme it was like one of these costs you money and ruins your health and the other one gives like you know saves you money and in, oh, here it is this one the bike runs on fat and saves you money this one runs on money and makes you fat the car like a little bit extreme, right? It's probably not your car that's making you fat, but there is a point in that. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of a double win, isn't it? Or yeah, a absolutely. triple win. Like you're outside, you're, you know, you're enjoying it, you're exercising, and you're saving money. Yeah. And I remember when I first bought like a decent bike. And one of the ways that I justified this to myself, because you know that I don't really like spending money, was mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna figure out how long it would take me to earn back the money that I would have spent on petrol on this bike. And it really wasn't that long.
1: That's so good. I love that. Mm. I love that you so do I think that. it was like
0: a month of cycling to work as opposed to driving, like, mm-hmm. and you can get, I mean, I got a bike that was like 300 pounds or something, but I think it was like half price on some deal. So like a really good bike and it's only a month to pay it back essentially.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, my bike belonged to my sister's ex-boyfriend. So it was free. <laughs>
0: great
1: <laughs> um, okay, i mean that's even better
0: now you're just you're saving money
1: yeah and he was a asshole so it's a win 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 the best thing that came out of that relationship yeah absolutely <laughs> it's um okay so my second story is this is just like a really heartwarming story that hopefully will give everyone the good vibes so Um, In my street there's lots of old people and there's all these old men that whenever there's like a football match they'll all go to someone's one of their houses and watch it like they're big old firm uh, fans so like that means Rangers Celtic so whenever there's an old firm game on they'll go and sit and watch it Um, and one of the older ones his sky always breaks but it doesn't really just doesn't really know how to work it but he like come and chaps in our door and we'll go around and help him fix it. And it was because he wanted to watch the women's football. And we were like, he's like an old man in his 70s. He's like, I just want to watch the football tonight. How nice is that? Oh, that's really nice. I know. It makes me really happy how many people are in. Have you been watching it? No, no you haven't.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even know it was on. What's on? The World Cup or something? <laughs> someone was like oh it's, it's the Wimbledon weird. final I was like
1: what What was Wimbledon like, <laughs> it's, it's the is it not the the women's euros the women's um, football mm. I is didn't know that
0: now I feel like a bad gay as well because it's I, very I just like, said
1: that I was like are you not a lesbian
0: apparently not no <laughs>
1: not taking that stereotype God I didn't even know about it Anyway, um, my final piece of news is that I'm reading Judy Murray's book and I absolutely love her. I never really thought about her before, but I'm just like such a I huge I have really fan. thought
0: a lot about Judy Murray, but now.
1: And now I'm like, oh my God, she is the, like such a role model uh, in terms of being an amazing mum, an amazing coach, just an amazing woman. Was she a single mum? um or do we just so. not see the dad as much no 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 they, they definitely split up at one point no I think she was a single mom but what I find interesting is that like um because she's like she's a woman and she's Andy's mum and Jamie's mum she gets so much hassle for, for being a pushy mum but if it was a dad like they make a film about him like the, about the Williams sisters dad I
0: know like,
1: She's had to face so much of that. And I just think she's such... We want
0: a Judy Murray. Is it Judy?
1: Judy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Judy Murray film. Mm. Yeah, I basically just want to be her. Shona can play Judy. (laughs) The role of a lifetime.
0: (laughs) Um, Catherine's just here saying, I'm going to the women's final at Wembley at the end of the month. Um,
1: She is a good lesbian.
0: That's top class lesbian. (laughs) Also, other Catherine is saying a bad gay laughing face. Yeah, I need to work on that a little bit. Um, okay, should we get on with the questions? I love those three things.
1: Yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd keep you updated with my life. But so yeah.
0: I'm, I'm reading two books at the moment, slash listening to. One of them is really sad, but also really uplifting. And it's called A Morning with Murray Maury, A Morning with Maury, or Mornings with Maury. I think it's right. what it's called. And it's about this man who has ALS and is like slowly deteriorating over time. And he kind of like passes on his wisdom. But it's re- like, in a way, it's really nice. It, and the bit that was most, uh, like resonated most with me was this like detachment from your body and that you are like a person without your body and that, or even though your body's giving up, like there's this detachment. And he was very good at, I mean, like you'd be not just annoyed, but like distraught. Mm -hmm. at your body kind of giving up on you Mm -hmm. and he was very good at like detaching that and still being able to appreciate all the amazing things in life and he was like the difference is like I, I appreciate that window more than like anybody else does at this point because I get to see the world pass by outside that window and I think the ability to still be able to appreciate so much and like to massively smaller extent I think we can all learn from that like things like my back flare up or like when people are injured they're like it's so frustrating I can't go to the gym and it's like yeah but put this in perspective there are still incredible things in your life going on and you can still practice like feeling that pain and I think they spoke about it as detachment but the main emphasis was about it's not just like oh I'm heartbroken I'll just lock that in a box and like push it away which is obviously like uh, what's the word there like suppressing your feelings which is generally not a very good idea it was like feel them but then stop and move on and his whole thing was like I would have a cry in the morning and then I'd stop and I'd move on with my day and I'd like but I'd let myself feel and then I'd like put the lid on and move on I was like oh that's quite good
1: is and it an then or is, it a, is it a true story yeah is it a true story yeah oh wow
0: it's written by this man who goes to see him every once a week yeah and then he book about it
1: um alzheimer's
0: no als what's
1: that
0: remember that als challenge it's essentially when your nerves stop working remember when everyone used to put like ice bucket
1: Uh over their heads yeah
0: it's that one
1: that's really good
0: and then the other one um emile sent me And it's called Ethical Slut.
1: (laughs) Oh, Is he trying to say something? (laughs) I was like, oh,
0: interesting. Do you know what? It's it's quite good. It is about like non-monogamy. But it's also about, I guess, uh, or I see it through my lens of like, so much of what we think in life we're making choices about, like to be loyal to one person. Actually, we just never question because that's the norm. And then their whole argument is, you can't make an empowered choice about something if you don't think it's a choice, if you don't know you're making a choice. So it's not trying to get people to be non-monogamous. It's about mm-hmm. being like, these are all the options for all the different kinds of relationships you could have. Now you choose, instead of like, we should all be with one person forever. And I was like, huh, interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I just feel that see people that do polyamity, they're kind of like vegans and crossfitters. Look. Shut up about <laughs> it.
0: Did you know that I'm poly? <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably. Although I don't know that many of them. I don't know that many people who are well, in. If
1: you if you do know, they will make themselves known to you.
0: <laughs> These are my five girlfriends. Hmm. Okay. okay, right, we'll get on with the questions. So. Um, oh Catherine's just saying only quitting back at you what you said I think you're an all-around good egg oh no I was just joking don't worry (laughs) I'm not not taking offence to the bad lesbian Um, Alison please can you advise is the check-ins is the check-ins are done solely by email at the end of week two thank you yes you will get an email with a type form to fill out that will ask you all about your previous two weeks and then you get feedback from your coaches based on the information that you give on there but obviously if you need anything in between those times you reach out and this is what again the daily accountability is for if you're feeling like you're struggling don't wait until check-in be like oh I, I keep finding that I'm overeating in the evening do you guys have any tips and we'll be like yes that's what we're here for okay right ready
1: ready let's go right do you want me to read out the questions yeah okay it's also from Alison. I know we have protein targets each day, but as we are not counting carbs or fats, please can you advise what percentages we enter into my fitness pal? Okay, that's I'm really sorry. That has been answered. Uh, okay, next one from Liana. I have a few questions, please, and thank you. One is pro workout beneficial even for classes like Zumba and Step? I
0: think she means pre workout.
1: Oh, really is pre-workout beneficial even for classes like Zumba and Step
0: um you could argue yes I don't I think more broadly if we answer the question of like is pre-workout beneficial the caffeine in it probably is some has beta alanine in which again can be beneficial to performance but like I personally don't take pre-workout it makes me feel icky like makes my skin itchy the amount of caffeine in it unenjoyable for me i might have a coffee before a workout if i if i want to but i don't think it's something that you like it's certainly something something you need to have and it's definitely not something that i would suggest to people unless they yeah like i guess decide that they want to ingest that much caffeine
1: yeah i agree it's not something that i take either just drink coffee
0: yeah mm. And then is it beneficial before Zumba or Step? I get like, again, yeah. If you've had like a really long day and you're really tired and you want to get through the workout, having a little bit of pre-workout might give you a bit of a kick. The other thing it will probably do is give you a bit of a placebo effect of like, oh, I've had something and that's meant to give me loads of energy. And so I feel a little bit more awake. And you'll probably notice this if you've ever had decaf coffee, especially if you've ever had decaf coffee and not known it was decaf that's a that's like you normally feel the effects of caffeine despite the fact you've not had any caffeine Mm. so there might be an element of that as well like oh this is a pre-workout it's meant to pump me up for the gym and then because of your expectations of that it kind of does work like that Mm -hmm.
1: yeah um next part of the question from liana is how much water is a good amount to drink a day
0: Uh, I always suggest drinking to thirst I think always like really at the moment given it's so hot and you're probably sweating quite a lot make sure you always have a bottle of water with you near you so that you're always staying hydrated but I don't think you you definitely don't need to like push yourself to drink loads and loads and loads and we I think we spoke about this on the welcome live didn't we that yeah, eight glasses of water so i think we've already covered that one but if you're if you're worried about that go back and listen to the last podcast
1: um i just caught up with the live i know you spoke about going on holiday and living your life etc i'm planning on being mindful with my food with the occasional treat but as i will be abroad what do you suggest about tracking calories do you want to start i think that i would not be arsed to track calories <laughs> when I'm on holiday you're on holiday and um, who wants to be getting their phone out and opening up my fitness pal every time you have a meal and chances are as well you're going to be eating out loads and how would you even know what to track so it would be a case of practicing certain habits while you're away so that you at least stay in man- maintenance never mind a deficit. So basing each meal around protein, trying to fill up your plate with fruit and vegetables um, maybe allowing yourself to have like one puck. Yes, I, I think that's a good one, like per, even per day or if you're going to be super disciplined, like if you're on, on holiday for a week, like I'm going to have five puck yeses. But I think one a day is pr- pretty good. And, and one puck, yes, maybe I'm going to have a couple of cocktails or I'm going to have like a really nice dessert or I'm going to have a big, massive bowl of pasta or something like that. Um, just so that you're mindful as well. Like I also think in on holiday, doing a morning routine is great. So like getting out of bed, doing something that is like some sort of routine or even going outside for a walk because it's going to be really nice and hot and sunny and you want to explore the place that you're staying in um so sort of staying in some sort of routine and practicing mindful habits will definitely keep you on track for sure yeah and then
0: other things like just practical things like eat slowly remember that portion sizes are probably way bigger than what you need so don't feel like you need to finish everything another tip for when you're eating out, like a lot of the time, you'll, you'll still have that plate of chips that you've decided you're going to have half of and you're going to enjoy, I don't know, whatever you're having with it. And then because that plate of half chips is still there, you end up kind of chatting to people and picking on it. Like even just as simple as like, just put your napkin on your plate so it's quite clear that you're done, even just yourself, then you won't keep picking because little things like that really start to add up. And then you're like, actually, I really enjoyed this meal. And the picking gave me no joy whatsoever. It was just there in front of me. So, make sure you're aware of things like that. But I completely agree with Shona. Like, you shouldn't, there's no need to track on holiday. It's only a week, maybe two weeks if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. Be mindful, enjoy it. The other thing is, you can't really accurately track. The, The one thing I will say is that if you know yourself to be someone who does end up picking at loads and loads of different things, Like throughout the day I would maybe like if you're concerned about that just have a notes app on your phone and write down everything that you eat because I think one of the most overlooked benefits of tracking is simply the accountability of writing that down and like the recall that that is part of that and it's so easy to go through the day and like not really remember what you've had and whenever you ask someone to be like if I was like to show no what did you eat yesterday you'd probably tell me what you had for breakfast lunch and dinner Not and I had a baby bell and I had a little bit of this and then I had like half an apple and then I also had like half this bar that was left over from earlier and then I came back later and like there's all this stuff that you don't even really register so I would be a little bit more careful with that actually sometimes being on holiday is more helpful because you tend not to have like depending on if you're doing self catered or in a hotel or, or whatever like there's that tends to be like less food just hanging around um but that's something to be aware of as well and more generally like if someone's like I don't want to track calories like you can get the vast majority of the benefits of tracking calories without downloading a fitness tracking app you can simply just put it in the notes in your phone and be like I'm just going to write down everything that I eat and there's research to show that when you ask someone with no calorie target whatsoever just to simply write down everything that they eat they start habitually eating less and that's because of the like increased awareness over what you're consuming and the accountability You're kind of being accountable to yourself, like I've written it down. So it's happened. Like, I can't just like bury my head in the sand and pretend that I didn't eat like three of those biscuits on the side. Mm. Paula's just commented saying, that's the answer re-holiday, oh, sorry, that, that's the answer re-holidays and calories I was hoping for. Thank you. Great. Great.
1: Okay, next question. There was one about protein brand, but you got that. Hey all, loving the programme so far. I have a question for live. One of my goals is to be able to do 10 chin-ups. I can currently do two, three in a good day. Lol. Well that no, I she added in that lol it wasn't me. Um I have a pull up bar at home. <laughs>
0: Absolutely brutal
1: <brilliant>. Lol, <laughs> she can gonna <only> three. <laughs> oh,
0: I can't see that that, that is that's there, don't worry.
1: Wait, no, she wrote the lol, not me. I'm like, inside, I'm going, awesome, well done. Yeah. I have a pull-up bar at home, so please could you recommend a little routine that I can add into my morning routine? Also, should I do this every day or leave a day in between to allow for recovery? Thank you. Okay,
0: well, I will say, and this does sound quite self-congratulatory, but like 10 pull-ups is really hard to do, right?
1: And you can do it. <laughs> Even
0: though I know that like, I do do that in my morning routine every day. But it took me years to get to that point. And like, it's a lot, I will also say, it's quite a lot easier for me because I have very little muscle mass on the lower (laughs) half of my body, which means, you know, there's less to pull up. And I'm not saying it's an impossible goal. It absolutely is not. But I think a better goal would be, I want to double my pull-ups at the moment or like, I want to improve on this. So by the end of the six weeks, I want to, instead of being able to get two to three, I want to be able to get like, five to six pull-ups
1: mm.
0: and and it will help if you practice this I would start and I actually get like a weird amount of questions about this because I'm I talk about morning routines so much and I'm like this is what I do like obviously the, the specific exercise that you do in your morning routine doesn't really matter it's more about the psychological benefits mm. but whenever I say I do three sets of pull-ups every morning people are like well isn't that overtraining?" and it's not because I'm used to doing that Right. But at one point, it like, you know, if you just start doing that from nothing, then it might be overtraining and you may not be recovering well from it. So, what I would do here is I would do every other day and I would do three sets of two every other day and have like decent recovery between them. So, this is what I do I do three sets of 10 every morning, but I'll wake up and do my first set and then I'll make a coffee. So, i probably had like three minutes in between there. Then I'll do my second set. And then I'll like clean the kitchen or something and then I'll do my third set. So there's like a decent space of time between it. Otherwise, and the reason I'm saying that is because you won't, if your max chin ups is two and you only give yourself 30 seconds in between, you won't get three sets of two. So you need like a decent recovery for that. So I would do that as part of your morning routine, maybe every other morning. And then, you know, maybe after week two or three, when your body's used to that, you could do it every single day
1: sounds great yeah um okay oh big question from a committed person what do you think are some different reasons why we have a tendency to make excuses if we encounter things we don't want to do or seem difficult and do you have any tips for how to overcome excuse making and procrastination
0: oh
1: (laughs) massive question
0: such a good question
1: so I have really I
0: really really genuinely find that reminding yourself this is basically how I motivate myself to do anything hard that one usually you get more rewards from anything that's hard like that's true for almost anything in life that's not saying make something harder than it needs to be not like oh that's just cut your calories massively and make things way harder than they need to be no, but generally hard things have a bigger reward. And part of the reason that hard things have a bigger reward is that most people won't do them. And so sometimes when I'm like, oh, like, especially in terms of things like maybe business or I've got to, I don't know, do, do a lot of things that I'm struggling with. Maybe it's writing a lecture or something. I'm like, this is where most people would give up. And the difference between someone who is successful and someone who isn't is that point. Like it's genuinely that point when something is hard and most people would give up. And if you don't, that's the difference between success and and not reaching that goal. I'm not going to say failure, because failure is kind of part of along the way to success most of the time. But if you really think about it, like the only true failure is giving up. And that's where most people would give up. And I find that really motivating. I'm like, this is the point most people would give up, but I'm not most people, so I'm going to keep going. Mm,
1: Yeah, Um, I totally agree. I think that... um if you relate your value in life uh to your output and things that you achieve as well then that's going to make these things more of a challenge instead of like so me and my sister for some reason we just don't have that fear of failure or doing things that we're not good at for some reason I don't know why we're both exactly the same uh, I wish I could identify what it is but it's it's almost like we just don't we don't relate our failure as a reflection of our character or how you other people view us that, right
0: where, you're where like it, I failed at that thing. thing I am not a failure
1: yeah and and you're right like I think all all the things that make us grow all the fun experiences in life all the things that make for good stories and being able to like grow from that all come from things that are out with your comfort zone all things that that challenge you and push you further do not think
0: Do you think that depends? I'm just like, now I'm more interested in what you're saying about like how you don't attach to failure, which is obviously like an incredible trait. Do you think it depends what it is? Because say for example, I don't know, like you, it was something to do with your coaching, which is so personal to you and something you're so passionate about and it failed. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would still be able to kind of detach from that enough that it wouldn't impact you?
1: I think no I would be I, I would be disappointed um but I wouldn't ever see it as the end of the journey yeah. like I wouldn't I wouldn't think right well that's well that's that drawn a line under like I, I'll I'm I'm rubbish at that I'll never do that again I'll just be like right okay well that didn't work what what can I do differently because that seems to be the story of my life <laughs> yeah, like, I
0: think it's a, like I yeah. mean
1: it's it's resilience isn't it yeah. essentially yeah as, I think
0: it's something I don't know where I got that from but I like I, and the thing is when you talk about failure and like leaning into failure I think a lot mm-hmm. of people almost misinterpret that as like look for failure or you shouldn't be upset by failure like you still will be it'll still be mm-hmm. sad you'll still be yeah. disappointed
1: yeah
0: but then it's the turnaround time between I'm disappointed about that and like it gives me more fire to to work better for this like I had I remember running awful, awful races. And most people after, like this was when I was really into athletics. Most people are like kind of pissed off about that. Like the first thing I wanted to do was get back to the track. In fact, poor performance made me more motivated than good performance. And the the amount of PhD uh, rejection letters that I got and I'd be pissed off like for like a day. And then that night I'd be writing another proposal. And I don't know what, like you're saying, like I don't know where that comes from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and sometimes yeah. you kind of I guess like in if it's not innately there like you have to force it a bit
1: yeah I think it comes from like me and you have I've I've worked in this industry that has changed so much since the start of like it used to be that you would get business cards printed and you didn't have a social media you would just have to literally go and talk to people on the floor and now we are both fully online and we also both survived a pandemic where we had to completely we change We thrived everything. in it babe. Yeah, we, we didn't just survive, we thrived and then and, um, actually came out the other side stronger. So, I th- and in and, and amongst there, there'll have been so many things that didn't work and so many things that, that failed, but we just kept going because otherwise, like what's the other option?
0: And the other thing is, it's like you don't see most people's failures right because some people might be listening to us and being like what are you talking about like not that much I'm like oh no there's been a lot behind the scenes that hasn't worked Mm -hmm. you've just not seen it or you've not seen the impacts that it's had Mm -hmm. because people don't share that stuff and sometimes it's just like inappropriate to share like there are certain things I'm thinking of now and I'm like I just can't really share it because it's not I don't think it's like beneficial to people in well, maybe it would be beneficial to hear it, but like I just don't, yeah, I just don't think it's yeah. appropriate to talk about. But yeah, it like, there is always failures behind the scenes for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to remember when you're looking at other people as well, because there's all this, always this comparison of like, oh, you know, like I failed on, maybe it's your dieting. Like I failed on diets this many times, blah, blah, blah. The, you might see the person that's had this transformation photo. and You might not know that they also failed or quote unquote failed, really struggled for 20 years and then they finally found commit to six and that's why they look great now yeah but like you know there's often like a long learning curve at some point and you don't see that it's like when you look at people like oh overnight success look at them they would still and like you don't see all the years behind that like someone who stumbles across like commit to six now might not have seen like the 10 years that I've done before this to build up to this stage Mm. and most people don't really want to see that as well or like yeah, when you see Overnight Success of of like, usually it's like pop stars or something. Oh my God, Overnight Success. They're like, what are you talking about? I've literally been writing songs since I was 10 years old. Like now I've like, it's finally come to fruition or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, don't underestimate the amount of hard work that goes behind what often looks like Overnight Success or what often looks like someone doing something easily. Like pull-ups is the great example. Oh, that you make that look so easy. And it's like, yeah, because it takes a ton of hard work to make something look easy. Mm-hmm. And most incredible things do look easy. Like when you see a sprinter run, you're like, that looks so easy for them. It's like, yeah, it looks easy for them now because they've done years and years of ridiculous amount of work to be able to run that fast, that effortlessly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, therefore.
0: Um, Louise is just saying, great advice. Going to tell myself this next time I'm tempted to skip man makers and burpees. Yeah. I think it's a good um, way to kind of frame the way you look at a lot of behaviors in life, because you, especially when it comes to dieting, and I feel like this more and more strongly that because of the environment that we live in now, it's so easy to overeat. In fact, like you don't even, if you're not consciously kind of aware of things, I think you will just naturally habitually eat more energy than you need because of food choices. And you can be annoyed by that and you can be like, oh, I resent the fact that I can't eat everything that I want to eat. Or you can say, OK, like being realistic, the average person is overweight. The average person living in this environment that I'm living in, in this world that we have at the moment in the UK or actually in most of like the world. Um, or the privileged world anyway, um, will be overweight living in that environment. So if you don't want to be, like you have to not act like the average person. If you don't want to be the average person with the average result, which is now overweight, then you can't act in the same way as the average person. And that means you have to try that a little bit
1: harder. That is a sound bite and a half. Hmm. Love that. All right. Um, Okay. Would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on this. Surely a load of rubbish. So how can they make these claims or are they exaggerated? A tiny bit of truth. Right, let's click the link. It's, it's a the lumen. lumen, isn't it?
0: What's a lumen? So this has been a, around for a while because I got asked about it a couple of years ago. And I think they email me about once a month asking if, if they can send me a free lumen and I will do like a review of it for them or something. And I'm like, you really don't want me to do that. Yeah, no, nah. It's just totally pointless. The thing is, it does work. So it works by... RER, which is like an exchange ratio of your oxygen versus carbon dioxide, is another word for like indirect calorimetry, which is often used to measure your metabolic rate, if that's what you're using it to measure it by. Anyway, this will show you by the gas exchange how much protein, carbs, or fats you're metabolizing at that time. It doesn't make any, like, it doesn't matter in the slightest. It's going to be dictated by A, the fuel that you have put in, i.e. what you've just eaten, and B, I mean, I'm assuming you'd be doing this at rest because I thought it'd be really inaccurate. So mostly that and like what you're doing at the time. So essentially, if you eat more fat, you will burn more fat, much like if you put coal on a fire, the fire will burn coal. If you put wood on that fire, the fire will burn wood. If you put carbs in your body, you're more likely to utilize carbs. That's not body fat. That's dietary fat. And we know that what's going to dictate body fat is total calories in versus total calories out. So really knowing this information like might be vaguely interesting if you're working in, I don't know, some kind of scientific lab looking at something very specific. But aside from that, like it's not practically useful information.
1: Yeah, because it's, well, what do you do once you've got that information? Because it says here lumen gives users a daily a tailored daily recommended diet based on its analysis so what's it going to recommend
0: i don't know i remember looking at the so i wrote a post on this ages ago and the website says something like lumen trains your body to use carbs you consume more effectively obviously oh no wait that was me obviously there is no mention of how because the best way to do that is by increasing insulin sensitivity the best way to do that is exercise and losing excess body fat they also talk about dieting with no mention of calories and energy balance if you want to diet successfully there are much better uses of roughly
1: 275 pounds e.g that's expensive yeah i know um there's a little video of it and it's like good job you are burning mostly fat so I take it that person's just eating an avocado and then what so like anyone that's on keto great yeah
0: you'll be doing well it's like oh you're just burning fat yeah but you've just eaten a ton of fat like what yeah, did you expect yeah. to happen Ugh, yeah there. okay so don't
1: buy it please Shannon no. I don't think she would
0: anyway um no I mean it is interesting that this is becoming like more mainstream but then it's just like what do you do with that information it's the same with things like genetic testing i'm like it's interesting but but the issue with it is then and then here's a diet and the issue with lumen is then and then this is what you do with that information because we there isn't a practical take-home to that information
1: Mm.
0: and same with the stuff about genetics it's like the impact of your preference is way higher than the impact of oh, maybe you're genetically predisposed to handle carbs a little bit better or fats a little bit better. Like it's really quite a small impact. And yeah, your expectation of that is going to be, if anyone has listened to the mindset prep series, you already know this, your expectation is more impactful than the actual impact of these um, gene variants. Mm. <clears throat> it's really
1: annoying when um, people endorse these things on social media because just purely for having been sent something for free like you'll like some people some people will actually just you know endorse it it's really really annoying yeah I think less
0: so this one because they don't seem to be offering like a kickback they just want to give you one but yeah it's it's really annoying yeah I haven't
1: accepted the offer no um I have been listening to that book Emma keeps talking about the expectation effect it is really interesting and something I can resonate with question though if you're susceptible to playing out the negative negativity in your own head and it comes true how do you break the cycle is understanding at the start or are there methods I have not finished the book, so he might cover it, but it may take me a while, so thought I would ask in case it could be covered on the podcast. Great book. I'm
0: glad that you're listening to it. And you're right in that the main thing here is the knowledge of the fact that expectations can impact your reality. And I think, so like, I knew this before I read the book, obviously, but, and I think most people do to an extent, but when you read that book or you listen to that book or however you ingest it, you realise like the impact of that. And I think that really does help you kind of like, I guess, like re- reappraise what what you're doing and how your thoughts could also be impacting your reality. And then you realise how sort of malleable that reality is. Then that kind of like comes back to impact your thoughts. So if, if you're always having negative thoughts, negative things are always happening, and that is kind of a bit of a cycle once you realize that it could be the thoughts that are causing your, the then self-fulfilling prophecy is a little bit easier to start like changing those thoughts or even the narrative of like the world is kind of out to get me and all these negative things are happening. And it's like, OK, well, if I know that I am potentially partly causing these things or my response to things is like making these things worse than they need to be. Then that's something that's then again within your control, and it's not like the world is against me. It's like okay, there's something that I can change there. This is where journaling comes in really useful as well. Just even the simple thing of like three things that I appreciate today, three things I'm grateful for today, or even and telling people how grateful you are for them as well, and actually really thinking about like the qualities and other people that you appreciate. It might seem like day to day like this isn't doing anything, but you will wake up one day and look back and be like, oh my god, I just naturally now notice how much I love this about Shona or how much I love this about my friend or how grateful I was when they just did that tiny thing for me. And actually how amazing it is to like, just even sometimes just the simplest things, how much you appreciate them. And you wouldn't appreciate them if you hadn't done this sort of daily appreciation. And I, I was the exact same when people started doing this, like I'm going to do 30 days of gratitude practice. I was like, by day three, I'm just writing the same things again and again. Like I don't get the point of this. But actually, once you do it for long enough to realize that it's actually become habitual for you to notice the positives and because knowing that we all have this negativity bias because it served us previously, like it was an evolutionary response, the way to shift that negativity bias to more neutral, maybe even positive, but even just neutral is to do things like gratitude practice is to force it initially. And then before you know it, you just start noticing things without having to, Be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and be like, what What did I actually appreciate? Say what went well.
1: Mm, Yeah, love that. I I I was the same with the with the gratitude practice. I found that really difficult, but it it was like a case of I think because you're you're doing it at a set point and you can't really you think you don't really think of them. Um, when you're sat there, when you're when you've got the book, whereas like if you actually try and point them out as you go throughout the day, like when I'm I'm going to go back to my cycling. When I'm cycling, the thought came to me how lucky I am that I'm able to use my body to get around. Like, that, that is such a privilege, and some people can't do that. And I was just like, this this is amazing. I'm so, so lucky. So just, like, in that moment, whenever whenever something just comes to you, like, actually just say it out loud in your head. Like, acknowledge it. Yeah, exactly
0: what you were saying, I think, is – I guess what I'm getting from reading this book a little bit as well Mm -hmm. about the man with ALS, because a lot, a lot of the time we think that we have to experience these things. Like I appreciate even being able to walk so much because there was a period of time where I couldn't, but I want other people to be able to appreciate that without having to experience the negative side. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that like by reading books, but ones that really go into this, not just saying it, but actually allowing your brain to kind of get sucked into this and imagining it and the way it's so well written allows you to have that appreciation without having gone through that yourself Mm -hmm. and I think like that that in itself because I mean yesterday you could also ride your bike so why are you appreciating it today it's -hmm. just the change in like perspective
1: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely all right Um then Okay. So slightly sidetracking, but I was listening to a Huberman lab podcast about ADHD and maintaining focus. He talks a bit about certain foods, sugar, caffeine. I sent you this the other day, by the way, um, sugar, caffeine that people rely on to stimulate them and what can really affect brain function. Found it really fascinating. Does Emma have any previous podcast episodes about this? And then you sent me a voice note. Do you remember what you said?
0: Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I don't have any previous podcast about this
0: in particular, but I did listen to a really good podcast on this yesterday, which I did post in the IQ and I can't remember exactly what the podcast is called now, but I actually, I'm probably going to get him on either this podcast or on fitness and build. So I will share it, but the crux of it in regards to ADHD is, and this is quite simplified, but you may get like a heightened reward from food. And this might not necessarily just be ADHD. I'm willing to bet it's probably part of the reason that certain gene variants of the FTO gene predispose people to being overweight. They probably get more reward from certain foods. And it's certainly true with ADHD that not everyone, but for some people with it, will have this heightened, role, which, like height, heightened dopamine response, which means that they probably want to go back for it more and more and more. Which means that control around food is that little bit harder, which means again, you might need more some, some like extra support. And I think the the benefit of knowing that, and I want everyone to approach this with like a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset, because that same information with two different mindsets could have completely different responses. Same with most information, really. But if you tell someone, yeah, you've got ADHD, which might mean that I mean, people, I think it's four times more likely to have binge eating six times more likely to have an eating disorder or not and that would be like bulimia or anorexia and then also more likely to have binge eating disorder as well so it is heightened um in this population but the yeah that same information given with a fixed mindset could be like well there's nothing I can do I have ADHD so I'm just going to always have no control around food or you could be like okay this explains a lot of the ways that I feel around food or it might explain why I found dieting so hard before so instead of calling myself a failure I'm going to say like I know it might be a bit harder for me I know I might need a little bit more support I'm now aware of these things and like I'm more accepting of that so yeah I guess that's how I like to frame things around ADHD like understanding that okay there are certain things that may be harder and maybe like these tips could help you and even things like just making sure that like if you do have some kind of like impulse food that you eat it in a more like controlled setting so like if you know that cake tends to trigger this like maybe you eat cake with a friend in a cafe where it's almost impossible to like then go and jump over the counter and eat the rest of the cake kind of thing um and then you will get it and the same things apply that like, you will still be able to get better and better at controlling those impulses
1: hmm. yeah I think just like any anything like that blanket statements are just like recommendations based on your diagnosis rather than recommendations based on you as a person um are aren't really that helpful because everyone experiences these things differently, don't they? It was when I was listening to the the EIQ podcast and she was Amelia was um saying that people who with ADHD are more likely to do this and this and this and this. But I know people who have been diagnosed with ADHD and that might be quite like, all oh, right, is that, am, am I going to get, have an unwanted pregnancy and go to prison? Like, <laughs> yeah. I just, I feel like it's, yeah, it's not really helpful to know these things sometimes, is it?
0: Yeah, I, I do agree. And I think you're right, it's unhelpful to just like pigeonhole someone into a diagnosis. I don't think that's useful in the slightest. And as I was listening to this podcast yesterday, a lot of what they were saying around food, I was like, I don't have that problem at all. But certain things, I'm like, yeah, I do notice that within myself. Like, not. But the other thing is, you can, so many of the symptoms of ADHD are symptoms of just being a human as well, like completely normal. Like, oh, do you ever get distracted? Yes, everyone gets distracted. But I've certainly noticed the things, and sometimes you can just put your behaviors into that. Oh, it must be ADHD, right? But like, I hate prepping food. Like, I will do the quickest, easiest meals always because I just cannot be bothered. But another thing they said was like, very rarely enjoys vegetables right and I love vegetables like all I eat is fruit and vegetables and like protein here and there so there are like certain things that you're like oh yeah that's totally me and then there's other things that aren't just like anything with being a human and when I did the diagnosis for ADHD there are so many things I guarantee that that like most people would have you know at least some tick boxes like most people would have at least some symptoms of ADHD that doesn't mean that they have adhd that just means that these are normal human responses and some people have it in a much more severe form than others
1: yeah we've got a comment on the live loving the challenge so far so tomorrow is my work summer party i hate parties and usually <laughs> i know i hate parties and usually overcompensate by drinking a little too much warm white wine any tips on how I cannot do that warm white wine does not sound like why warm that sounds disgusting <laughs> sounds horrendous if it was ice cold Prosecco I could totally understand how you would do that but if it was warm white wine I'm like no um, um what would I say about that I'd fill it with ice
0: first and also that will like, you know, you know what they do in, in bars and stuff? Like, Oh, can I have a Diet Coke? Like, yeah, sure. Here's a glass of ice with like one drop of Diet Coke in it. You're like, all right, great. I know. And
1: Here's if it's like-, it's like instantly watered down. Yeah, that's really annoying. But actually that might be useful in terms of alcohol. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, you hate parties and you usually overcompensate by drinking a little much too, too much warm white wine. Um, could you not go do you have to go or could you say I'm gonna go for like make an appearance I'm gonna go for two hours and that's it and then I'm away I'm away, <laughs> I'm away. I'm away. bye bye everyone
0: <laughs> no you don't say bye you just say I'm just gonna nip to the
1: ladies and then when you get home oh yeah I'm at home see that's what I do and that apparently is that not called the French exit yeah I don't know why yeah. French though I know, I know. That is what I used to do. But do you know what I'm trying to do more now is not make excuses for me wanting to to leave. Like, yeah, but do you think it's easier now because you have a legitimate excuse like, I have a child. Well, no, sometimes I just want to leave. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to go now. Bye everyone. Like I, I, I do think it, it, it's really hard to do that though, isn't it? It's so hard.
0: Yeah, it, everyone seems to think that they need an excuse for something like it's very hard to say no to something without mm. an excuse I was thinking about this on AFM actually because a lot of the time coaches will get like people are like oh it's too expensive at the moment and sometimes I think it, it's not that it's too expensive it's that they don't want to do it which is fine but <laughs> it's easier to say it's too expensive or I can't do it because x or blah 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 and it's yeah. it, sometimes it's not that it's just that you feel obliged to make some kind of rationale as to why you can't do it when it's just like actually I don't want to do it. <laughs> Which would be better better feedback for them. Cause if they're like, I don't want to do it because I don't know, I don't like this aspect of it, then you'd be like, Oh, okay, that's actually really good feedback. I'll consider that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't want to do it because I don't see the value in it. I mean, that's that's rude. Harsh, but that, that but is also... harsh, but probably is the truth, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what you're saying when you're saying it's too expensive. In yeah. some, in in some instances. mm
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What are we going to do about Fiona's party? Oh
0: yeah, We to you about Fiona's party? Right. Okay. She doesn't like parties. I would do what Shona said and just go for a short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Or tell everyone you've got COVID.
1: And why does it have to be warm white wine? Could you not say, right? Okay, I'm going to have two really nice drinks and I'm going to really enjoy them. So we're going, going to, to have yeses. They need to be like, take a sip and you go, mmm, that's good like you have to do that noise if you're going I'm just doing this because like it's free don't do not be succumbed by free alcohol free alcohol is the devil isn't it because it's free and you think oh I'm gonna have it but it's never good quality and you always regret it
0: (laughs) that's true actually
1: Uh yeah
0: yeah apart from the wedding I was at the other week That was free and also very expensive alcohol, so. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh,
1: It's a work event. That's why the wine is always warm and I have to go. Oh. Well. This is so, I mean,
0: quit your job. (laughs) I don't know. It is, I think it is hard when it's a work event and you feel like you have to be there and you have to show face and that you shouldn't really leave like overly early.
1: Mhm. and also i would be like why don't don't get drunk in front of people from work don't do it no bad bad idea um okay one last question tips for living with your ex so this came from someone who is living with her ex obviously and <laughs> it's, it's like just it's not ideal and it's causing her to emotionally eat and um yeah it's it's a struggle like it's not she she just can't move out right now because um finances however she's still uncommitted and I love that (laughs) so do I yeah that's that's when you know the value is there yeah okay (laughs)
0: um so my initial response was just live in a tent like just get out of there and live somewhere else Mm -hmm. but I think probably having I mean, realistically, you're going to make the best out of a really pretty bad situation. Like, I don't think it's going to be like (laughs) at any point, this is great. But maybe having a chat with them of like, we both have to live here for this period of time. Like, do we want to set some boundaries? Like, even just opening up, like, is there anything that I'm doing at the moment that's annoying you or that you would feel more comfortable if I didn't do X, Y and Z? Or maybe you even know, I mean, go into all negotiations with what you want. Right. So like maybe you've, you found that it's really hostile and, and maybe that could just be, can we have dinner together that like one night just just to like clear the air a little bit so that we're not like feeling like we're tiptoeing around each other. Or it could be that there are like, I don't know, certain house rules that you kind of want to put in place or certain things that they're doing that annoy you. But, but like open the table to is maybe start with, like is there anything that I'm doing that is upsetting you? And then when they're like, no, you're like, okay, well, you're doing this, this. <laughs> <laughs> really Get
1: have... the notepad out. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I guess like I think I mean it's probably not a great situation for either of you. So if you sit down as two individuals, you know, who once really cared about each other, and just say, look, we're in this situation for X amount of time. Let's not make it horrible to live with each other. Can we somehow come to some kind of arrangement that i've just seen that comment off to buy a tent (laughs) (laughs) or some kind of arrangement that we can live here civilly so and it's beneficial to both parties right you're not asking one person to do something the other doesn't want to do like we would both like to live in an environment that isn't hostile so how do we sit down and do that
1: Mm, agreed agreed um yeah i think that's that's some some good advice is that is that what you would do to like
0: oh yes i'm very mature (laughs) You give the advice you need. Uh I I I don't know. Like it's totally different when you're in that situation, right? Like that's what I would like to think I would do. Realistically, I'd probably buy the tent.
1: Yeah, I would find it so difficult not to just be really super petty, um, and like hide. That's my cheese. Get Get your hands up. (laughs) I'd be like bringing my toilet roll with me to the toilet and then taking it away with me. Um, yeah that's really tough and I think like it, it's just difficult because when you've got like a, a really stressful horrible situation that just makes you feel anxious all the time and you kind of go to your your standard stress responses don't you and, and that might be like comfort eating um, so it, it could you could use it as an opportunity to, to lean into that and to find out if there's other things that you could do to self-soothe that aren't aren't self-destructive Um, so whether it's like right I'm just gonna remove myself from the situation go out for a walk just now or I'm gonna like the difficult thing was that she said that she wants to then like get into some sort of exercise and not just using exercise as another sort of like mask so I I, yeah I do think it's it's it could be a good opportunity to like lean into these things and find out if there's something else you can do yeah but it's just like sitting in a different room and like breathing slowly for a while and then they walk in and you're like no 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 I'm breathing get out of my space
0: oh god yeah it'd be hard oh, I haven't had stop. a situation like exactly like that but I have lived in a very I've lived with a partner and their ex basically like when we moved in they were a couple Right. So I've been a fly on the wall in this situation and it wasn't okay. great. Yeah, it was what? very, but it was wasn't great for any of us. Like it was just such a like tense situation.
1: I've just got like a mental image of you of like sliding that book that Emil gave you across the table. <laughs> Anyone fancy some polyamory? The ethical start.
0: Oh, yeah, that wasn't great. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. hopefully those tips are really useful for you yeah <laughs> if anyone else needs any relationship advice fire in
1: shoot it is up um there is actually one more question if you've got time yeah let's do it okay i'm very confused about set point weight i listened to emma's podcast with chloe and i still don't understand i've been a chronic yo-yo dieter for the last 20 years I've been the same weight the entire time, around 200 pounds. If the theory is true about set point weight, then am I doomed to be this weight forever, no matter how hard I try?
0: No. So set point theory is completely misinterpreted by a lot of people. It's certainly not saying that even if you eat less calories than you expend, you will not lose weight and you'll just stay the same weight. And I always use this example and it's quite like crude, but... If that was the case, no one would ever starve. If we had a set point that we could not move from, then we would have cured starvation. Like that does not happen. What does happen in regards to set point is that there will be a point where you normally settle around. It might not be exactly a certain weight, but this is dictated largely by your behaviours. In fact, almost fully by your behaviours. When you start getting quite light, there is like another... Uh, another kind of aspect to consider which is kind of like your body fighting back a little bit so uh, as most people have experienced when you start dieting and you get quite lean and um, hunger levels go up so it's trying to preserve the amount of body fat that you have because it's like there's not that much body fat here i want to make sure that you're maintaining as much energy as possible and your drive to move will reduce as well so you tend to stick around this point and most people will find like you might have people like, oh, I can never get below 70 kilograms. It's not because they physiologically can't. It's because it would take a big shift in behaviors to do so, where they're probably quite like if you habitually do about, I don't know, 10,000 steps a day and you you're quite happy sitting at like, I don't know, 1800 calories to move below that 70 mark, you might need to change something quite significantly. So you might need to drop calories to 1600 or so increase your sex a bit. And for you and your lifestyle that you're in at the moment, that might seem like a big change that either you can't make for a long enough period of time to drop that weight or you, you it's just a little bit too overwhelming for you at the time. That's why you tend to gravitate back towards this weight, because your behaviors tend to gravitate back towards those behaviors. It's not physiologically that you can't lose weight. This is like, weight loss is never an ability problem. Everyone can lose weight, everyone. It's not, it's not, and I'm not saying that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination. And there could be numerous reasons why this is harder for you. Like we just spoke about ADHD. Some people have a heightened reward response to eating food. So it's certainly gonna be harder for them to lose weight. Some people are predisposed genetically to find it harder to lose weight. It's never impossible. Even people who are predisposed to being obese could still die of starvation if they don't have food available. So it's not an ability problem, but that certainly, like I'm saying, doesn't mean that it's not a hard thing to do. And it could be that your behaviors are keeping you well. It kind of it is that your behaviors are keeping you around that 200 pound mark. And we need to make sure that we change those behaviors consistently for long enough to make sure that you do lose weight if that's your goal. And this is a lot of what I've been talking about in the prep for commit six, which I hope everyone has listened to, especially the final one on the dip. And this is what happens so often, I would say in most people who have struggled to lose weight consistently is either they've been doing something ridiculous or if they have been doing something relatively sensible, they hit that kind of three week dip in motivation where, you know, everyone this week is pretty excited about the start of commit six It's the start of something new, but we know, because we've done this so often by about week three, things start to dip a little bit because that initial excitement and motivation has gone. That is like we were saying before, that's when most people give up. That's when things get hard. And that's when people who aren't successful stop. But you are not going to be like that this time because we are going to support you. But the knowledge of that as well is so useful. Like, OK, I know that about three weeks into a diet, most people do like lack motivation a bit. And that tends to be when I give up. So this time I'm going to make sure that's different. And only you will know, whoever wrote this question, because I know it's come from one of your check-ins, only you will know like what's happened in your previous dieting attempts and what you can learn for this time. I can assure you that it's not an ability problem. You are completely capable of losing weight. And that's not what set, like when set point is like explained correctly, that's not what it is. Not even people that are, well, maybe they are. I don't know. Like some people that like are proponents of set point. Like I'm sure if you said, to anyone like what are you actually saying if someone didn't eat anything they wouldn't lose weight like surely you're mm-hmm. not saying that but what you are yeah. saying is that you respond to energy reduction from, like if you reduce your energy intake the energy balance equation is a two-way thing so you change one side you also change the other that's why when you start dieting you get hungrier Mm -hmm. Or when you start dieting, your activity levels can reduce if you're not careful about those things. So it's something to be aware of, the response, but it's certainly not something that's going to stop you losing weight.
1: Yeah, I think as well, um, this person doesn't have a great relationship with the scales. And when you're saying that a lot of people get to that three week mark, it could be that they've had a great first week and then week two, they've also been great and they're seeing progress happening on the scales. And then on the third week that nothing's happened. And they're like, well, what's the point? Um, And I I do think if that's, if you think that that might be the case and and, in your dieting history that has always happened, then please do not weigh yourself, please, or find another method of taking um some sort of progress measure and I think measurements are great because you just don't have that same attachment if you if you have that attachment to 200 pounds and you're already looking at this set point theory then let's get rid of that let's let's find another way to measure yourself
0: agrees 100 and also you do find this now and again that I don't know if you've heard of like the whoosh theory of fat loss Mm-hmm. where like you get this sudden drop and mm-hmm. I think it's actually normally around sort of water retention around your menstrual cycle and many women sort of hit or like generally hold a little bit more water over sort of a three-week period and then the week of their period they tend to drop a fair amount of weight and then they're, they're a little bit higher again but remember that will still come down but if it's sort of similar to that in this situation and you're like first three weeks I didn't lose any weight and I've put in loads of effort So I'm just going to give up not knowing that like it's literally just around the corner that there will be a decent drop in weight loss and weight loss isn't linear. And it doesn't look the same for everyone. And it doesn't always make sense. But what we know is that if you stick to the behaviors that we have set you, you will lose body fat if we've set them as your target, if that is your goal. So you need to focus on sticking to those behaviors and then you need to be really honest with your coach if you're not. Because we're not here to judge you. We're not here to say, "Well, you, you know, you can't, you can't expect results if you don't do this." Like that's true, but also we want to know why you're not doing that and how we can support you to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: if you're struggling with these behaviours, like that's what that's what the check-ins are for. That's what reaching out is for, so that we can help you make sure that you're implementing these things.
1: Yeah, that's actually really similar to what I said in the reply, Georgia. It's <laughs> like we're on sync. <laughs> right okay that
0: was an excellent podcast thank you very much for your time and brain
1: thank you loved it and
0: excellent questions as well
1: great Bye. Bye, everybody.
0: thank you as ever for your time and attention if you want to talk to me about coaching or if you want to find out more about how to work with me head over to esgfitness.co.uk There is also lots of free information on the website and some worksheets, which I hope you will find useful. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear from you. Please tag me in your stories at ESG Fitness or shoot me a message. And if you think you know anyone who would enjoy this episode,
1: why not share it with them? Thanks, guys.